Welcome to the Pet Podcast for pet parents, pet lovers, and it's all about pets. I'm Lauren, a certified professional pet sitter and pet owner. I want to thank everyone for tuning into the show. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Pet Podcast. I am very excited today. We do have our first guest. So Ashley Butman is here with me. She is owner of Wagging Tails Pet Care in Spring Hill, Tennessee. Ashley and I have known each other for probably about five years now. She used to work for me as an independent contractor for the pet lady and as she did pet sitting for us and dog walking. So I'm very excited to have her here today. Hi, Ashley. Hello. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for being here. So I wanted to talk a little bit today about training because since you have left working for me and even while you're working for me, you were going through getting your certification as a trainer. And I think you kind of started a little bit that of that when you were with us in Illinois, but you're doing a little bit more since you've left Tennessee. So tell me a little bit about your training background. I originally started training for PetSmart, but then I went and furthered my education through uh, the Animal Fever College. It's out in California, and that was a, about a year-long course for me. Wonderful. Excellent. And what style of training does the ABC Training Academy use? It's mostly positive reinforcement. They do teach about the others, but they mostly use positive reinforcement. Wonderful. And why do you think re- positive reinforcement really seems to be the direction that most training is going? And why do you think that is? But why... Do you also think it's a good thing to learn about the other styles of training? It's good in case it does positive reinforcement doesn't work for a particular situation. Okay. Most of positive reinforcement is you work with treats or toys to reinforce that they are doing what you are asking them to do. However, you can use other things if that doesn't work. But for the most part, that's what you're looking to do. Yeah. It's kind of that like emergency backup if needed. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, wonderful. So what advice would you give someone, let's say, who's just introducing a new dog to their house? Let's start with the most basic thing. If you just got a puppy potty training, what kind of advice would you give someone um, on potty training a puppy? There's a lot of stuff. (laughs) I can imagine. What I did with my shepherd when she was younger is I would have her in the crate at night and then in the morning I'd take her out. She had five minutes to go. Mm Mm-hmm. And when she did, I would give her a treat right where she went, so she knew that's what she was supposed to do. If she didn't go, I'd take her back to her crate for five minutes, and then back outside until she figured out, oh, I have five minutes to do my business before anything else happens. So after she would go, I would feed her and all that stuff. Puppies will typically go after they take a long nap, after they eat, or after they play really hard. So those are about the times that you're looking to take them outside to go potty. That is that is amazing advice because I know, you know, everyone kind of is like, okay, after a while, you'll pick up on the cues that your dog has, but that's wonderful for new dog owners to know, okay, after exciting activities, potty might be the next thing on the list and it's always good to reinforce that. Yeah, it is. So would you recommend doing anything different if, for example, maybe somebody adopted a dog that might be a little bit older and, you know, the dog might be having some issues 
with, you know, kind of pottying and maybe in the house? And what kind of things would you say to those types of dog owners? I would say try to do crate training just so dogs don't typically go where they sleep or eat. So put them in the crate when you're not home just so they're not having accidents when you're not home. Mm-hmm. And then when you're home, just kind of keep a closer eye on them. Be patient with them. Yeah. That's the main thing is be patient. But yeah, that's what the main thing I'd recommend. Yeah, no, just watching for those cues, definitely. And I like that being patient when you're bringing a new dog into a home, especially maybe one that's a little bit older, because I think that's one thing that people don't always realize is, you know, it can take dogs a couple weeks to kind of get used to their new environment, which requires a lot of patience on our end, especially if maybe the dog isn't doing exactly what we want it to do right away. Yeah, and if you still have problems with it, I'd say talk to the vet, see if there's any issues going on with them that you don't know about. Like my dog has had bladder infections and she's had to go more often. So it could be something like that as well. I love that you brought that up because that was something I was definitely going to ask you about because, you know, especially if a dog changes their potty behavior, you want to, you know, you might not know bringing a new dog into your house, but that's a great thing for people that have dogs. And they're like, oh my God, all of a sudden my dog is having accidents. And, you know, after six years, it's never happened. That's great advice. You know, talk to the vet because there might be some kind of underlying medical condition that we're just not aware about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. When you're bringing a new dog into your home, whether it's a puppy or maybe a little bit of an older dog, what do you think? I know we touched on potty training, but what do you think is the first thing you should train your dog? The first thing that I would actually do before training is take them somewhere neutral when they first meet. Okay. Because some dogs will get more territorial at home. So if they're outside the environment, it might be a little bit easier to bring them in. The first things I would start to do is work with sit and all the basic commands, sit, stay, come, that kind of stuff, just to make sure they all fit in with your home (laughs) and get along with the other dog. Yeah. Just have that basic foundation down before you really start getting into too many other uh, more maybe intricate things. Yes. Good. And so let's kind of move on to leash training. And Leash training, okay. Yeah. Well, how, you know, I've dealt with some puppies in, you know, just in our pet care, in my pet care business, the pet lady. And, you know, I always follow whatever the clients have been doing with their trainer or how they want the dog trained. But what would you say to someone that might be having a little bit of difficulty working with a puppy who's not used to being on a leash? There are different things you can do. If the dog likes peanut butter, I'd say get a wooden spoon, put some peanut butter on it and freeze it and then put a little bit more on. And then every few steps, swing it down, let them lick it. Oh, I love Just to kind of get them to move forward. There's nothing you can do, I call it the crazy owner game, (laughs) where as soon as the dog starts to pull, you stop, call their name, and go the other direction. Okay. Change speeds, change direction, and eventually they're going to start looking at you like, okay, what are we doing? And then once they start doing that, then you start walking nicely, and then if they start it again, you just go back and forth again. And you keep that up until they figure out, oh, you want me to walk with you. Okay. So that's one thing that I'd recommend. No, I absolutely love that. Um, I love the wooden spoon idea, you know, because that most people naturally have peanut butter in their house and most dogs are motivated by peanut butter. 
So I think that's yeah. a wonderful, wonderful little tip that I didn't even think of. Another thing I would say is don't use retractable leashes right off the bat. Because with that, they can't tell if they're pulling or not. Because there's always tension on it. So start with like a four or six foot leash and then switch over to retractables later. Okay. That's a, that's a great point. Because I'm a pretty big advocate of not doing too much walks on retractable leashes and really trying mm-hmm. to stick with, you know, like a straight leash. You just have a little bit more control over the dogs. I, I mean, you know, when you worked for me, we had quite a few clients that, you know, retractables were the only leash that they provided. And, yeah. you know, we still honor those requests, especially with some of the clients that you worked with. Because, you know, when I took over, for those of you listening, and I'm sure you've heard me talk about it a little bit before, I took over the pet lady from my aunt who had the business for, well, we're going to be 30 next year. And so 25 years before I came in. And, you know, and some of those clients, you know, they're so used to us just using their leashes. I didn't want to put too much change on them all at once. How do you, in your business, do you try to steer your clients towards using straight leashes? Or how do you handle that? It depends on the dog. Like if I can tell the dog is a big puller, I'll say, oh, I can bring my own leash and I'll bring the leash that I am comfortable with. That's usually not retractable. Mm-hmm. But for, if it's an easy dog that you're not going to have any pulling with, then I typically don't mind a retractable as yeah. long as I bring them in closer to the, before we get to the streets. But for the most part, I, I'm like you. I like regular leashes, <laughs> not the retractables. Yeah. And actually, I know you were talking a little bit about uh, dogs that were pulling, really having a better control over the straight leash. And I just want to digress for a moment. And you actually taught me this when you were working for me uh, with one particular client who brought on a second dog in their home that was a little bit more rambunctious. And the first time I cared for them, I was like, oh my gosh, this dog is pulling so much and they only had retractable leashes. For the dogs, they both had harnesses. And you said, hey, you know, use a straight leash. You'll have better control or even like a a bungee leash, I think you uh, recommended, where it's a straight Mm -hmm. leash, but it has a little bit of slack. And I remember bringing that to the clients the next time I went, and it was like night and day with the dog. Mm -hmm. Because they figure out, oh, I had this much room that I can work with. And one that bungee leashes I have actually can go around your waist. Mm-hmm. And I use that one because that's like your center of gravity. So it's harder for them to pull you down. Yeah. And with the bungee, you can kind of see right when they're about to hit the end of it. And you can kind of brace yourself so you don't fall or <laughs> get otherwise. dragged down the street by a large dog. Yeah. That. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, since we're talking a little bit about leashes and dogs pulling. So let's say uh, somebody brings a dog into their home and they're, you know, they have a straight leash and their dog is pulling and they're not using a harness and just the collar. What kind of things would you recommend using a harness over a collar or just changing your approach? There are different things you can try. I've used like the easy walk harness where there's a loop in the front, Mm -hmm. which helps with pulling. I've also used, um, there's different names for it, but one is the halty, and it looks like a halter for a horse that goes over the nose. Yeah. It's not a muzzle. They can open their mouth. It just takes the dog time to get used to it. That's another option. One thing I've done with a dog that I was walking and they didn't have a harness for, and he was pulling, 
I actually took the leash and wrapped it around his middle and went between his body and the leash. So whenever he would pull, it would tighten just a little bit. And then it will loosen back up when he stopped. Yeah. So it kind of taught him, I don't like you pulling. I think and you gave he ended me... Up walking a, he ended up walking a lot better after that. I think that was another tip at some point that you gave me, and it actually might have been for the same client I was previously talking about. But we'll touch base on Maybe. that a little bit later. Maybe, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so when you're bringing a new dog into your home, I, you know what? We talked a little bit about this, about how long would you really let a dog acclimate until, you know, do you want to start training right when they come in or do you want to give the time dog the dog time to acclimate before you really start to hone in on some of those skills it depends on how old the dog is if it's a little bit older i would be giving them more time just to kind of figure out where things are and how it's going on but if it's a younger dog and they're just coming into a new situation certain things you kind of need to teach right away like not to chew the couch or an electric cord or something like that so i would start teaching him that first day. Okay. Again, it depends on the dog. Yeah. Some dogs are more open to, oh, okay, I'll learn. Others are like, no, I'm going to take my time and figure out what's going on. So again, patience is a big part of training because yeah. they're like little kids. <laughs> no, I've heard that. I don't have they're any like kids, little kids, but I have heard that a patience with a puppy is very similar to patience dealing with a child. So... Yes. <laughs> I can only imagine. I've had uh, someone in one of my classes when I worked at PetSmart say, can you teach my kid? And I'm like, no, no, I don't do that. I only do dogs. <laughs> you know, I guess you could use some of the same skills with kids using positive reinforcement. It's funny because some of the stuff, my mom is a te- was a teacher and she's like, Oh, yeah, I used to do that with kids. <laughs> That's how I used to teach them for certain things with kids. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I think it's more similar than we realize right now at this point in our lives. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I agree. But yeah. Well, wonderful. So I know you touched a little bit about this when you won't. So, in regards to adding a second dog into your home, I know you mentioned, you know, having the dogs meet on neutral ground. Is there any other tips that you would give someone, you know, about bringing a second dog into their home when they already have one that maybe is a little bit older? And yeah, one thing I've done with my dog, I've had people bring dogs into our house, whether they're just passing through, like a friend of mom's brought her dog who wasn't the most friendliest with other dogs. One thing that helped is I took them both for a walk and got them both doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. Then they're like, oh, okay, we can work together. It's not that bad. They're on even so, playing fields. They're on even playing fields. So I took them for a walk or have them work next to each other. Have them do sit, come, you know, that kind of thing. So they kind of get used to, oh, okay, we can do this. It's, you know, kind of forms a bond between the two of them. Of, oh, we have to work for this too. Um, <laughs> stuff like that can help. And just making sure that you give attention to both dogs equally. Mm-hmm. And I'd say even give a lot of attention to the older dog more, just so he's like, oh, you're not forgetting me. When it comes to feeding, feed the one that you've had there longer first, especially if it's an older, calmer dog. That way, the other dog says, oh, he's a little bit more in charge than I am. <laughs> and so they can form that like packed bond where this is how it's supposed to be. Oh, I love I love that feeding tip, too. 
you know, I've introduced Sassy to other dogs, and she's just so easygoing that as long as the other dog, you know, and I can kind of gauge before they even meet, but that is the one thing that anytime there was another dog at our home, if it was feeding time and Sassy's bowl did not touch the ground first, the look I would get and then the verbal response I would get from her of the loud barking of like, hello, you forgot about your number one. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a so that's a good tip to kind of keep the peace between the dogs as they're being introduced to each other. Yeah, because the other dog has to learn, oh, I can learn from the one that's already been here by what I'm supposed to do. It just helps start with manners a little bit. Wonderful. You know, I know we talked about a few very specific training things, but why in general do you believe that training is so important? I think it's important because it helps you enjoy life with your dog better. I love that answer. Because there can be little things that you don't want to paint, you get used to. I'm like, oh, they just did this again. It's, you know, not a big deal. But if they're trained not to do it, then you're like, oh, yay, I can enjoy my dog more. Yeah, that's wonderful. Giving you and your dog the best way to live together. Exactly. I love that. Because there's things that Gracie has picked up from what the way I live. Gracie's my dog, by the way. <laughs> that you don't think about until you're like, oh, that was convenient that she would do this and not have to worry about it. Gracie is anxious when I'm not home. So when no one's home, she has to go into her crate because otherwise she'll have accents around the house, that kind of thing. When she knows we're getting ready, she'll automatically go up to her crate. It's so sad when she does it, but she's, she's very good at the guilt trip. Um, oh, I've met Gracie. <laughs> she is, her eyes are fantastic at the guilt trip. <laughs> and her ears go back and her head goes down. It's great. So she'll give you this look like, oh, I don't want to do this, but she'll go ahead and do it. I won't have to fight her with it. Yeah. Or if I have to give her a bath, she gets in the tub and I can have her sit while I'm giving her a bath. It's just what she's trying to do. And she's gotten to the point where I can actually ask her to lay down and she'll lay down in the tub that's full of water. If you want to teach a dog to do that, just have them sit in the tub and slowly start adding water and keep asking for the sit until they realize, oh, this is normal. That first of all, that is an amazing tip because I I I love that you threw that out there because I think this is something that a lot of dog owners struggle with. I can tell you for sure my sister struggled with it with her dog. And even, you know, Sassy is all of 18 pounds and she is a struggle to get in the tub. And but she has taken a very nice liking to the groomer that we use. She gets very excited to go to the groomer. She really loves the lady that grooms her. So she's very, yeah, which is better for me because I was not, Sassy and I were not on the same page when it came to bath time. Um, But she pulls right towards the door to head to the back with the groomer. And I'm like, okay, I guess I'm chopped liver. Well, I'll see you later. Yeah, with Gracie, because I knew she was going to be big. I started training her like in the tub when there's no water in it. Mm-hmm. And I slowly eventually started adding water. And because she's a hundred pound dog, there's no way I would be able to get into the tub if she didn't want to go in the tub. Yeah. But she'll step in and then I can do whatever I need to. So. Well, those are, I think that is a wonderful tip for dog owners. If you start them right away with that tub 
and get them used to it a little bit at a time, you know, it can save you a lot of headache, especially, you know, not so much for normal grooming, but, you know, if your dog was out in the backyard, decides to roll around in mud where you might not be (laughs) or skunked. (laughs) Yes. Skunked. That's absolute. You know, you try to keep it out of your mind. Yes. (laughs) You don't want to stay at the forefront (laughs) because when it happens, you want it to go away. But yeah, oh my goodness, getting skunked, getting muddy, um, having a dog that's Mm -hmm. nice and calm, getting in the tub, you know, that's got to help immensely. Yeah. And I have a creek in the backyard that's not always the cleanest water (laughs) and it gets kind of muddy in there. And she likes to go get her ball from the creek. So, yeah. (laughs) Oh, I can... I can only imagine. So in terms of training, you I know that you started with PetSmart and you did group training, correct? Yes, I did. Yeah. So if someone was just getting a dog, whether they're a puppy or maybe a little bit older, you know, and they were saying, okay, I, I need to see a trainer, work with a trainer, would you recommend going that route where it's maybe more of a group training setting or more of a one-on-one? That's harder to answer. Okay. For some things, group is great because mm-hmm. the dogs there can interact with other dogs. They may have a little playtime when the class is done, but it can be harder for the dog to focus and they don't get as much one-on-one time. Mm-hmm. So if you're having problems with teaching your dog sit or to leave it, like not to touch a treat or something, and you need more help, you might not always get it in a group setting. Okay. But it is good to socialize them. Yeah. But for home training, they can focus in on pretty much whatever you need to focus in on. So yeah. if it is they can't having trouble with sit or having trouble just with leave it, you can spend more time on it until they get it. But you couldn't do that in a group. Gotcha. So it depends on what the situation is. And if you do it at home, it's more about the stuff that is actually inside the house. The dog is used to, oh, I need to listen here. Interesting. When you do it at group, I always said that you had to do it everywhere. So you had to do it at home. You had to do it outside. You have to do it at that because they don't always generalize. So this sit means sit everywhere. For them, it could be sit means sit here at the store. Gotcha. Or in this arena area. It can go both ways. Okay. Would you recommend someone maybe bringing in a puppy to possibly, you know, doing a group class, but then doing further work with an individual trainer? Or, you know, does it solely depend on just the dog itself? The dog and the people. Okay. I could tell you there were times where people come back to class when I went to PetSmart, and I could tell they hadn't done the work. Gotcha. Because they would say, oh, my dog's not doing this. Well... When I would ask the dog for it, they would do it because they knew what I was expecting of them. Mm-hmm. But when the owners weren't putting in the work, I could see that the dog is not learning as much. If you're doing it at home, it's easier to be, oh, we can do this here. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, it's sometimes about training the owner on how to deal with situations. Is that kind of correct in that regards? One thing I say is my job is not training the dog, it's training the owner. Okay. Because I can teach a dog. I know I can teach a dog. But it's up to the owner to keep it up. Yeah. Because if you don't, sometimes the dog is like, oh, I don't have to do this. I had a couple of owners that would come and say, my dog can't do it. They can't sit, for example. Mm -hmm. 
And I'd go, sit. And the dog would sit. Because it knew what I was asking it to do. Yeah. Another thing I'd recommend is also teaching hand commands as well. Hand signs. Us as people will go, sit, sit, sit. And then sit. Like we yell. <laughs> and then they sit. Because that's what they're waiting for. But if you use a hand sign, you're only asking once. I love that. So Sassy definitely knows hand signs. She knows sit, stay, down, and I do have a come signal for her. Solely, I don't have to say a word to her. Now this, she's 12, and I think I even just started working with her on the hand signals probably when she was about six. So you can do this really at any point with your dog, you know, and they say you can't teach an old dog new tricks. I have a very stubborn old dog. And she she picked up on it pretty quick. You know, it's one of those things that people are like, oh, okay, yeah, you're, you don't have to talk to your dog. And I said, no, you know, if I want her to come to me, I give her the hand signal where, you know, I do a snap and I point to my feet and she comes and she sits right in front of me. And she just knows that's what she's supposed to do. You know, and she gets mm-hmm. a treat. She gets that positive reinforcement from me. And people are like, oh, my gosh, how did you get your dog to do that? And I, you know, and it's like, well, it's a, it's another tool, you know. It is. And another reason I like hand signs is what if your dog goes deaf? Yes. You can tell, still tell them, I need you to sit. I need you to come. Or if you're in an area, say there's a big freight train going by and they can't always hear you as well, they can still see you. And so you can give them the hand sign for sit, whatever you need them to do. Well, I think that's a great point to make as well. You know, when you're out walking your dog, there's tons of other sounds going on, other things, and you're, well, at least my dog, sometimes has selective hearing where, you know, if another noise is more interesting than my voice, but, you know, anytime I say her name, she will look at me. She knows, you know, she knows that sassy means turn and face, at least figure out what I'm trying to ask of her. Um, Mm -hmm. she'll turn and look and I can give her that command where if I said, sassy, sit, she's like, but hold on, shiny object, you know? (laughs) Yes, exactly. And I've had like my Gracie, you know, she's pretty good. Yeah. Um, she's wonderful. She's like, I don't feel like doing that right now. And she knows who she can get away with that from. With me, she knows if I say it, I mean it. Yeah. Mom, she does. Well, she most of the time means it. Every now and then, I'll just wait here and she might change her mind. <laughs> but I know there's been times where people have asked her something. It's like, huh? I don't know that command. And like, show completely blank, like, say, like, pretend that she doesn't know what sit means when she clearly knows what sit is. So, yeah. That's. And in that situation, I can go behind them with my hands on and ask her to sit. And she will. <laughs> yeah. A- you know, absolutely. Know. <laughs> absolutely. I think we kind of covered a lot of the topics I really wanted to focus on today. So I really, really appreciate all of the tips and great ideas you've given our listeners. And I'm so excited you were able to come and do this. But if people want to find you, reach out to you, maybe for more training tips, maybe they need pet sitting in Spring Hill, Tennessee. Uh, where th- can they find you? You can find me at Wagon Tail Spring Hill, both on Facebook and Instagram. Wonderful. And if they want to go to your website, uh, maybe someone lives in Tennessee, they want to go to your website and check out 
on the services that you offer, what is the website that is best for them to find you? It's also wagontailspringhill.com. Perfect. Well, Ashley, thank you again for coming on. I really appreciate it. And hopefully, it's my pleasure. Yeah, thank you. And um, hopefully, we'll be able to do this some other time as well. Sounds good. All right. Thanks. Bye, Ashley. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Pet Podcast. Please subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen. This helps us reach pet parents and pet lovers such as yourself. Don't forget to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at Pet Podcast. If you have any questions you'd like answered or ideas for topics you'd like to hear about, send us a message through social media or send an email to podcast at petpodcast.com. See you next time.